When they say who they think gonna beat them Bengals, we can add the Cardinals to the list of teams that will not do that. <laughs> Welcome to the week five recap episode of The Rundown. Uh, I'm your host, Ben Peterson, alongside co-host Justin Tavener. And Justin, I gotta say, I'm happy today, my man. You know why? Why's that? Because despite the fact that my Titans lost... I'm not a Broncos fan, and I'm not a Giants fan. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, it could be worse. <laughs> it could be worse indeed. How you doing today, bud? I'm doing good. Doing good. Much better after last week. Good, good. Yeah, your Bengals definitely gave you a lot to uh, a lot to cheer for. Um, you know, here at the Rundown, we've got the headlines. We've got potential trades, power rankings, you know, where we were right and wrong, and old takes exposed. We've got a lot of new content for you all today, so let's get right into it. We'll start actually there. Uh, with the Bengals and Cardinals game. So Cincinnati uh, showed up. Uh, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase have returned from their NFL sabbatical as Joe Burrow threw for 317 yards and three touchdowns, all of which were to Jamar Chase, as Cincinnati pulled off the 34-20 win. Josh Dobbs and the Cardinals came back to earth a little bit um, with a pick six and a lackluster offensive play leading to, well, uh, let's be honest, it was kind of a beating. I wasn't really ever in doubt of that game. Justin, uh, are the Bengals' problems fixed? Like, can, can we call them back? Or is this still an anomaly in a weird season for your team? Um, I think it's somewhere in the middle for me. You know, I, I don't want to overreact and say, oh, they're back 100%. Um, I mean, Let's be honest, the Cardinals are not, you know, the best team in the in the NFL. Um, so uh, for me to call them back, I need the Bengals to do this on a more consistent basis. Um, but I, I, I think this was a fantastic step in the right direction. For sure, for sure. Um, you know, I think that it felt like your offense finally kind of put it together. Like, all of the stuff that you and I have been harping on, like, it, it genuinely felt like the play calling was a little better. It felt like they schemed Jamar open a lot better. Joe Burrow kind of took a f- step towards seeming more like Joe Burrow and not, who's that guy wearing Joe's Burrow jersey? Joe Burrow's jersey? There we go. Um, You know, for me, it just, it seemed like a win that they desperately needed, and it was definitely one of those games that decides kind of how you approach the rest of the season. Yeah. Uh, and, and that going back to your Jamar Chase point, um, in the, in the three losses that they had, he had 17 catches for 143 yards and no touchdowns in those three games combined. In their two wins, he had 27 catches for 333 yards and three touchdowns. Clearly, feeding him and getting him involved in the game is the this team's key to success, which isn't surprising. You see the you see the the Dolphins are good. It's because they get Tyreek and Jalen Waddle involved. You see that the Niners are good. It's because they're getting their playmakers involved. You, I mean, it, it's not a shock that uh, you know the, the teams that are successful get their playmakers involved. And in the three losses that the Bengals have had, they have really failed to do that with their best playmaker. Um, you know, like you said, Joe Burrow told us going into this week that this is the best he's felt and i think he kind of proved that you know um that little 10 yard scamper that he had up the middle uh (laughs) in the in the third quarter i I thought kind of showed you know everybody watching like hey 
that he's I'm not saying he's a hundred percent, but he's as close to a hundred percent as we've seen him this year. Um, was that was that Joe Burrow or Lamar Jackson? I couldn't tell. <laughs> All right, let's not go that far. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, they they finally took shots down the field, and it paid off. Uh, you know, they weren't throwing little two yard out routes every single time. You know, they they actually weren't scared to throw the ball more than five yards down the field for the first time this year. It feels like. Um, their defense looked much better. Their run defense specifically looked a lot better. Um, they forced two interceptions. One was a pick six. Uh, they had three sacks. Uh, the thing that scares me though, is their tackling was still not amazing. Still not where we needed to be. Um, so, you know, they, they have a serious test coming up against the, the Seahawks and the Seahawks love to run the ball. Uh, I mean, we, you saw against the Titans that they struggled to stop the run. So, yeah, I, I think the Bengals' success in this game, come, once again, is going to come down to whether or not they can stop the run against the Seahawks. For sure. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's one of those where, like, they definitely had a lot to be proud of, a lot to build on, but at the same, t- at the same time, it's the Cardinals, right? Like, we're not – y'all didn't go out there and beat the 49ers. Y'all didn't go out there and beat the Bills. So while it and, is a step, and, in, and even this game, it w- wasn't perfect. You know, there's no. still stuff that they can build on, for sure. Um, and so, yeah, it's one of those. Sure, like you said, there's stuff to build on, and it's a step in the right direction. But there's definitely still more stuff that they're going to need to do to really right the ship here. Like they're definitely not out of the woods, but I, I like the direction they're heading. Yeah, they they just got to be able to string together this win. I, I think, I think this game against the Seahawks. Uh, this coming week, to me, I think is more important than this game against the Cardinals. I, I think going into your bye week, if you're three and three, you can kind of look at that and say, "All right, you know, we got back to 500. You know, the tough part of our schedule is coming up, but we, you know, it it, it feels like we've righted the ship. So, you know, let's use this momentum going into the second half of the season to to keep building on this and keep getting better. You know, instead of going into the bye week." two and four and feel like you have to dig yourself out of a a huge hole yeah absolutely and um you know like you said you feel a lot better about it at three and three and um just moving forward you really want to see how they how they build from here and how they respond to these tougher challenges that they're going to have so for sure i'm sure it's nice for you to not have a tirade for once (laughs) oh it's amazing um, I was looking back over it, and we had Tavner's tirade in week one. We had Tavner's tirade in week two. We had Tavner's tirade in week four. <laughs> it's uh, it's not been a good year so far to be Justin Tavner. So any yeah, and I'm not going to say there's there's going to be a tirade every time they lose, but every time the they way get they were embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, it's the way they were losing. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think I think that's a good um, good segue into our next segment. Um, The next one is the Packers and the Raiders on Monday Night Football. Uh, The Raiders pulled out a uh, gritty uh, 17-13 win over the Packers. Uh, I'm going to be honest, it was a tough night for Packers fans. Um, My soon-to-be brother-in-law, Justin Frazier, uh, took offense to one of Justin's takes on the Packers a few weeks ago where we didn't give them enough love, and then they proceeded to get just demolished by the lions and then last night i think proved that jordan love is just not ready 
to lead a team beyond like winning the games he should win and i think that they are very much like a raiders caliber team like they're not great they're not going to do anything in the playoffs they're going to be kind of just mid um jordan love threw three interceptions one of them he just looked directly at robert spillane and threw the ball right to him like i literally looked at uh, riley my wife who was chilling on the couch next to me and i was like what in the world was he looking at like just right at the black jersey meanwhile uh jimmy g led the raiders um he played just good enough to win they got 17 points um you know not honestly not too much to say the raiders defense played really well um and yeah they pulled out a win so justin this is more of just a packers general question but is jordan love the guy is he not the guy or is it still too early to tell despite him this is what his fourth year in the league uh yeah i i I don't think he's the guy you know he he sat behind rogers for two three years whatever it was um and, and you know i i don't think he's looked all that impressive this year um I think the most concerning thing for me is that the three interceptions that he's th- that he threw were honestly nowhere near where he was trying to throw the ball. I mean that yeah. that's I mean, that's he did concerning. Have, he did have one interception where Marcus Peters like volleyballed it into Robert Spillane's hands. I think it was the second one he threw where it honestly yeah. was just a really good defensive play, but he still threw it into double coverage and he threw it short. Like I don't know what I don't know what he was seeing there, but. I question some of his decision making, kind of like you were saying. Keep going. Yeah, I I, I agree. I, I just don't think his decision making is is very good. And you would think that after sitting behind Rodgers for a couple years and learning this offense, it's not like he's a rookie coming into this and you know he has to learn an entire new offense. This is something that he's been doing for you know now three years, and you would expect that. I, I'm not. I'm not saying your expectations is that he should come in and be Aaron Rodgers, but you know, a- after being in this system for as long as he has been, you would expect it to be better than what it is. Um, yeah. So you, I mean, I mean, if he can start to execute, I think this team can turn it around. But you know, the, this this team around him with Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs and. Um, you know, all of the other pieces, I don't think they're like insanely talented enough to, to carry Jordan love and some of his, uh, um, lackings, I guess. Yeah, no, I mean, let's call it what it is. I mean, if Jordan love plays his absolute best football, they're a wild card team at best. Like they're not, (laughs) they're not contenders by any means. And kind of like you said, they're several pieces away. Like they're going to be like a fringe wild card team and that's if jordan love plays his best football the problem is i'm not sure how well he sees the field um i did see a video of the last pick he threw in the end zone when he was trying to connect with christian watson christian watson got wide open on that route jordan love didn't see him until it was too late and then he threw it into the end zone short again and it got picked off like it's just i don't know there's literally a video of matt lafleur like jumping up and down like come on he's open what are you doing yeah, I no, just, he he definitely just waited too long on that pass. He did, but it's one of those, you know, like I don't want to you it's one of those you kind of take it with a grain of salt cuz at the same time it's like yeah, he's new to starting, like he's basically a rookie, but also like you said he sat behind Aaron Rodgers for 3 years. You would think that his on the field vision would be better. I mean, heck, 
Zach Wilson sat behind Aaron Rodgers for a training camp and 75 seconds and then outdueled Patrick Mahomes. Like and Russell it, Wilson. And Russell Wilson. Like if if Zach Wilson looks better than you, and you know, I think Zach Wilson has improved a lot this year, but let's be honest, he's definitely not Mahomes. He's not Burrow. If Zach Wilson looks better than you, I think you really start to question if you're the guy or not in Green Bay. For sure. My second question to you is uh, the league's most expensive decoy, Devontae Adams. Do you think he finishes the season in a Raiders jersey? Um, I would think so. I, I don't see another potential landing spot for him. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I think... I think as long as he's getting his targets, which up until this game he had been, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, there's not really much of a reason for him to leave unless he truly wants to chase a ring. Yeah, I just love how um, <clears throat> I just love how the Raiders coach, whose name is escaping me at this point because I just don't care, um, <laughs> he was like, "Yeah, we were just scheming him as a decoy." You have Devontae Adams, who could arguably be one of the top, like, two to five receivers in the league. Like, if he has a good, if he's getting his targets, he is going to make stuff happen, and you're scheming him as a decoy? Like, what are we talking about? All right. So, yeah, I think that's all we can really say. That game was honestly very boring to watch um, until the very end. So, let's move on. Um,. We got the Colts and the Titans. Of course, you know, I had a bad day on Sunday. Um, the Colts won that game 23-16. to After Tannehill threw a game-sealing interception. Um, my takeaway on this initially before I dive too far in is that the Titans' defense ruined the best night Tannehill and D-Hop have had. Uh, D-Hop had 140 yards, and that just wasn't enough to overcome the defense allowing Zach Moss. We are talking about a team that just re-signed the rushing leader from two years ago, Jonathan Taylor, who was back, who many people were saying is better than Derrick Henry, should be the number one back in the league. And we allowed Zach Moss to run for 165 yards and two touchdowns. Before I go, Justin, what were your thoughts from this game? I feel like this team just seems to always take one step forward and two steps back, you know, like just, just as soon as they pick up momentum, they beat the Bengals, you know, they look dominant, they lose it, you know, and they're, they're 0-3 on the road, they lost the turnover battle, they went 1-4 and in the red zone, uh, it seems to me like Derrick Henry has officially just disappeared. Uh, and the Titans' run defense gave up almost 200 yards on the ground. Maybe it was over 200. Either way, uh, that's not exactly a recipe for a winning football team. You know? Oh, I know. Don't worry. I know. <laughs> uh, take away from the Colts, I-, I think the one thing that scares me is Anthony Richardson's health. This is the the third time in five games that he's been banged up or you know, ha- had to miss a game or leave a game early, which is not this one, great. This one's a sprained AC joint in his shoulder, too, so he's a candidate for injured reserve. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it is nice to have Gardner Minshew, who's probably the best backup in the NFL that you could ask for. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I think the Colts can can keep pace with the Jags right now. It, it seems like, and I, I wouldn't be shocked if they if they can kind of hold their own and, and keep pace for that AFC South title. And honestly, I think if that's the case, if they do win the AFC South and make the playoffs, going ten and seven, uh, eleven and six, I think Shane Steichen, their coach, probably could win. Maybe not win Coach of the Year, but at least receive some votes for it. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I agree with everything you said. Um, I'm going to get into my spiel here. My takeaways from the Titans. Uh, overall, I feel like we have some offensive questions being answered. Um, I mean, just overall, Tannehill and DeAndre Hopkins, they look so much better. Like, so much better. Their connection was healthy. Um, I honestly felt at times we almost forced it a little too much to D-hop. Um, and part of that's because Traylon Burks is out still, so um, just needed D-hop to kind of carry the load a little bit more. But it definitely felt like a one-man show there for a bit. Um, second kind of takeaway from the offense is that uh, Ty J Spears is next man up. I mean, Ty J Spears is he's going to be good. He has impressed me in every asset aspect so far this season um he had a 16 yard touchdown run um he looks really good he adds a layer of dual threat to our running game where he can run and also catch passes and do well um nick folk is a godsend i mean we have had so many questions at kicker over the last few years um and nick folk is on track to be our leading scorer this year which is not great but it is what it is um and my final takeaway from the offensive side, uh, as far as like pros go, is that the creative play calling is working. Like we are drawing up some just neat little plays, and they're not always great. I mean, you know, Derrick Henry uh, almost had another touchdown pass to DeAndre Hopkins, but uh, Hop was out. Uh, you know, against the Bengals, we had that like handoff to um, we had that handoff to. Uh, was that Westbrook Akine, who then tossed it to Derrick Henry, who then tossed it back to Tannehill, who then threw it to D-Hop, who was just a little overthrown. Like, we were having some really creative play calls. I really like it. It's a lot better than just the hand it to Derrick Henry, hand it to Derrick Henry, throw a check down punt. Um, we do still have some questions. The O-line, man, they are still just... Whew, it's rough. They did play better against the Colts, but I just... I think you got to put Peter Skaronsky in at left tackle. Um, is he still hurt? I think so. Okay. He needs to get healthy, and then you need to put him in at left tackle. Um, Tannehill has done well. I think Tannehill's a little bit more mobile. He's a little bit more healthy this year. So he has done well this year with responding. He hasn't been sacked nearly as much as he was last year and the year before. But overall, our O-line still just leaves a lot to be desired. Um, there are a lot of quarterback pressures where they don't need to be. And then, kind of like you said, Derrick Henry, he doesn't look like himself. Um, part of that, I think, is on the O-line, and part of that is just he is not the explosive back that he was two to three years ago. Um, he really honestly hasn't been the same since the foot injury, and I also think that defenses game plan for him more now, which is part of the reason why our passing game has looked a little better is because everybody's so focused on Derrick Henry. It's like just the threat of Derrick Henry being out there. Um... But he just hasn't been himself. I uh, hope he can turn it around, but I don't know, man. He's had a really, really great career. He's been the workhorse for the Titans for years now, and 
he's kind of getting to that point where running backs start to take those steps back. So it'll be interesting to see. On to our defense. I, I don't even know what to say here, dude. We were the number four ranked run defense in the league prior to this game. The Colts were bringing Jonathan Taylor back for his first game after, like, being hurt and missing the first four games. And you let Zach Moss run for a career high and two touchdowns. And I want to give all the props in the world to Zach Moss because he has a spin move that he broke my ankles when I was sitting on the couch. Like, that spin move was nasty. But it's Zach Moss. We're supposed to be a good run defense, and we let the backup running back run for 2 million yards. We let Gardner Minshew manage the game and beat us. Gardner Minshew. And like you said, he's a great backup. But if you tell me I've got the Titans and they're mostly at full strength and we're going against Gardner Minshew after Anthony Richardson goes down, I really like our chances. Like our defense, we just couldn't get off the field. And, you know, it like the Colts weren't necessarily – it wasn't always ending up in points, but when you can't stop the run – I mean, the Colts should have beaten us. Uh, they should have beaten us 30 to uh, 13 or 30 to 16, but – um, Zach Moss slid down instead of running the touchdown in to run the clock out. Like, it should have been more. My takeaways for the Colts, um, this might be a hot take, but I think paying Jonathan Taylor was dumb. I mean, they clearly have a good running game without him, and I think their draft capital would have helped them more. They clearly need some protection for Anthony Richardson. They clearly need another piece or two on offense. I think that you take that money, you pay Jonathan Taylor, and you go get some different pieces. Um, and then I'm mad because you stole my other hot take, but I think that Shane Steichen could be coach of the year if the Colts make the playoffs. Um, I mean, he has used Gardner Minshew to win two games. He absolutely should not have won. Um, and just the way he schemes around the pieces like Gardner Minshew fit in as if it was still Anthony Richardson you know what I mean like you couldn't tell that their offense missed a beat um, my final takeaway is like you said I think Anthony Richardson is the guy for Indianapolis it just depends on if he can stay healthy and right now three injuries yeah three injuries in five games yeah, that's 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 a struggle that <laughs> you're leaving a lot of questions there um do you have any final thoughts over my my part here? No, I think I got my thoughts out. Okay. Yeah, I think I did too. I mean, like you said, with the Titans, and it's like what I said to you, um, it feels like every time we take a step forward, we take a step or two back, and it's just... <sighs> I feel like we're finally figuring stuff out on the offense, and then our defense that's been good all year finally was just like, what's that brown oblong thing that that guy is carrying towards us? Maybe we <laughs> should just let him go. All right, moving on to the Sunday night football uh, extravaganza. You know, we we got to hear Carrie Underwood sing the Sunday night football song. We were both so excited for this game. <laughs> and then San Francisco 
just decided to pull the Miami Dolphins against the Denver Broncos on the Cowboys. It wasn't quite that bad, but they did win 42-10. to I'll tell you what, though. If the game was decided in, to- in trash talk leading up to the game, Dallas won that handily. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so my my thoughts here, the 49ers are just the better team. I, I don't think there's any, any debate there. I don't think there's any way around that. The 49ers are the better team. Uh, I mean, there's a reason they've been atop your power rankings, and I think that they proved, like, because all year it's like they had been handling teams, but some of the teams that they played, it was like, okay, but they played X, Y, and Z, you know? Like, it, it, they are, without a, without question, the better team. Uh, Joe Montana Jr., I, I mean, sorry, Brock Purdy, uh, he threw for four touchdowns and silenced the talkative Dallas defense. Um, speaking of that defense, I mean, you know, that's what you and I have said is that their defense could be one of the best in the NFL, if not the best. And I just, that was not a good showing by them. Dak played like his damn helmet was on backwards, man. I I don't know what to tell you. He threw three interceptions or he threw three dimes, just absolute lasers to the 49ers defense. And he looked shaky at best on consecutive drives. Let me say that In, in the second half. On con- three consecutive drives, he threw three interceptions. Like, I just, you could tell his confidence was done. You could tell. Like, he threw that first pick, and they were already down at that point, and you could just tell it was over. Justin, what, what does this game say about these two teams, man? Uh, I think if there were any doubters of the Niners, and more specifically Brock Purdy, uh, I'm going to just say one thing. <laughs> okay okay um no debate here. I, I i what no debate here no uh i i mean they've stayed healthy which with a team this physical is the biggest thing and i uh, i mean i i don't even know how, how do you even begin to stop this team because <laughs> You know, one week it's Debo, one week it's CMC, one week it's Ayuk, this week it's Kittle. Like, they they can just beat you with so many different guys. I mean, I, I don't even know how, as a defensive coordinator, you scheme this. Like, if you want to double cover Debo, all right, Ayuk's going to be one-on-one on the outside. If you want to load the box to prevent CMC from running all over you, all right, you know, they, they're going to they're gonna throw the ball over the top. Uh, like that, there is just I, I, I struggle to find a hole in this team. Like hell, even the the guy that they drafted, their kicker, Jake Moody, he's he's a stud. Like even their special teams are good. Like I don't, I I, can't, I am struggling to find a hole in this team. I I because I don't think there is one. Jake Moody's uh, my fantasy kicker. I don't think. <laughs> I don't think they're going to go undefeated. You know, there's a reason that there's only been one one team ever to do that, to win every single game they've played. And so so I don't think they're going to do that. It's almost impossible. Um, so so I, I don't see them going 20-0. But, you know, I, I won't be shocked if they finish the season 16-1. and Oh, yeah. No, me either. Um, as for the Cowboys, <laughs> yeah, uh, we them boys, right? Yeah, oh. yeah, no. <laughs> um, 
Um, Dak, once again, you know, he, he did this in the in the Cardinals Cardinals game where they had to play from behind and you just you, he, he just couldn't get it done. The, the Cowboys have one way to win, and that is you get an early lead and you make sure that Dak doesn't have to throw in high-pressure situations because he had to do that against the Cardinals and he couldn't connect. He had to do that this week against the Niners. And what did he do? He connected just with the wrong jerseys. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so, so I think, like, he he struggles this team struggles when they have to rely on Dak to pull them out of a hole and if that's the case they play the Eagles two more times and you're going to sit there and tell me that the the Cowboys are somehow going to find a way to not play the Eagles or the Niners in the playoffs it's not going to happen they're going to have to beat one of these one of these two teams probably just to get to the NFC Championship game where they're going to have to play that other team. They they're not going to be they're they're not going to beat the Niners and the Eagles in consecutive weeks to get to the no. Super Bowl. It's just yeah. not happening. No. so I I just I don't think this team's very good. And I've been saying it that you know, I, I said it last week. I think I said it the week before that, that you have to take their wins with a grain of salt. They beat Daniel Jones, they beat Zach Wilson, and they beat Mac Jones. Like, let's not sit here and act like those three quarterbacks are amazing. And and then not only that, but they lost to Josh Dobbs. Hey, like, do not disrespect Titans legend Josh Dobbs like that. All right, get out of here. <laughs> so. You, you, you know, it's it's not like we can sit here and say, oh, well, their wins are so good, you know. Yeah, they beat bad teams. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to beat bad teams. Don't tell the Titans that. Well, <laughs> so, I, I don't know. I have a hard time buying in on this team, and it's no shock. Yeah, um, I'll have more on that later, um, but I wholeheartedly agree with you. You know, I think I heard a really interesting take earlier from Nick Wright when I was watching First Things First, and it's that um, the 49ers' weakest link, if you could even call it that, is Brock Purdy. Like, Yeah, you, and he is <laughs> currently playing at an MVP level. Yeah, if Brock Purdy at his current state is your weakest link, you might just be the greatest team ever. <laughs> like... You know, you joke, or you didn't joke, but you had a hot take a couple weeks ago where you were like, the Dolphins have the greatest offense ever. I I would put this 49ers team against that offense, and I think the 49ers win. Like, I think the 49ers might just be their greatest team. Um, you know, obviously there are a lot of really good teams to compare them with, and this is not the hot take section, but I also don't think that this is much of a hot take. But this is one of the better teams that we've seen in like a long time. I can't oh, yeah. th- I can't think of a team in recent memory that is as good as this 49ers team is. I think that they I mean the only the only team I can think of is what was it the 08 Patriots? The I think it was the 06 07. Whatever whatever year that they went 18 and 0 and lost to the Giants. Whatever year that was, that's probably the closest to this team, to this San Francisco team that that I can think of in recent memory. And that was 15 years ago (laughs) absolutely yeah it's just it's nuts 
Um, the other like real weakness that the 49ers are going to have to deal with is health. Yeah, I mean they've struggled. They've struggled with that, you know, the last couple of years. Is they they lose a piece and it just seems like it snowballs. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's just their that's that's because of their style of play because they play so physical. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they could stay healthy, I mean, I I don't see them going twenty and zero, but I won't be shocked if they do Same. if they stay healthy. Same. Um, okay, well, let's move on from one beatdown to another. Um, the Patriots, was that game in New Orleans or in New England? Uh, that was in New England. Okay, so the Saints flew up to New England to host a football practice. Um, they won 34 to nothing. As far as the game recap, uh, there is nothing to say here. One team showed up and the other one did not. The Saints looked good and the Patriots... Wait, 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 wait. There was a second team on the field? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. The Saints looked good, and the Patriots looked. They were there. Mac Jones opened the game with a pick six, and that was the best point of the game for the Patriots. Uh, I genuinely don't have anything else to say about the Patriots' performance. It was abysmal and it makes the Broncos getting crapped on by the Dolphins a couple weeks ago look like a good game. Uh Justin, how in jeopardy is Bill Belichick's job? You know, I would answer that question, but I think I'm gonna save it for later. Okay. Um But I will leave it with these with this stat. The Patriots went into Dallas and lost 38-3, to a 35-point loss, which was the worst loss of Bill Belichick's career. They then followed that up. With the second worst loss of his career. <laughs> with the second worst loss of his career, and the worst home loss of his career, losing 34 to nothing. Meaning they have been outscored in these last two games a combined 72-3. to And that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, like, this is one of those topics where I included it in here, but then I think we both talk more about this later on. So, at this point, I, yeah, kudos to the Saints. Uh, It was a dominant performance. I think their defense takes a lot of good stuff away from this. I think their offense takes a lot of decent stuff away from this. Derek Carr looks solid. It's hard to not look solid whenever your team you're playing uh, doesn't even come out of the locker room. Uh, and like you said, I think we just move on from here. This was probably the shortest segment we've had on this podcast so far. <laughs> Doesn't need to be longer. No, no, it does not. Um, moving on to the uh, Chiefs against the Vikings. Uh, the Chiefs hold on to win 27-20. Uh, you know, kind of some takeaways from this game. The Chiefs got some questionable calls slash non-calls. Uh, the Vikings O-line once again sold on Kirk Cousins, who played solid. And the Vikings lost Justin Jefferson for four weeks due to a hamstring injury. Um, Mahomes did enough to win. Uh, Travis Kelsey got hurt, but he came back to catch a touchdown. I, You know, I think the Chiefs, they look mortal. Um, they look beatable. No team outside of Detroit has been able to get over the hump so far, but I, the Chiefs are running into a good team at the wrong time away from uh, just getting beat. I know that they've only got the one loss. But I don't know that you can really look at any game the Chiefs have played this year and been like, 
man, they're a great team. Yeah, um, no, I I think I touched on that last week that you know they they look beatable. Yeah, you know I I think all of these games that they've played, it's not like they've ran away with them, other than you know the Bears, but like it's the Bears. It's the Bears. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but like none of their wins to me are like impressive. Like yeah, they beat the Bears by thirty one, but like okay. <laughs> But like, like the Packers did that, and who cares? But you like like you said, like they beat the Bears by thirty one. But also, like if you if the Titans were to come out and play them this week, and the Titans won that game, you know, twenty seven to sixteen or something like that, I wouldn't be shocked. Like it's one of those kind of years for the Chiefs, where I mean, Mahomes is still Mahomes and Kelsey's still Kelsey, but it feels like it's Mahomes, Kelsey, and that that's it on offense. Uh, one last thing on the Chiefs. Uh, we had uh, a controversy called Taylorgate at a game that Taylor Swift was not even attending. Um, Legereus Sneed committed defensive pass interference. The referees threw the flag and then picked up the flag, and Legereus Sneed took his helmet off to argue the call and did not get flagged for removing his helmet on the field. Oh, boy. <laughs> Which is a textbook 15-yard oh, yeah. penalty immediately. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and I thought what was the funniest thing about that is you can see in the video the ref literally, literally tells him to uh, essentially was like essentially yeah. was like hey i'm gonna give you to the count of three to put your helmet back on before i throw the flag like that's essentially what he did all right i'm gonna it's close like, my eyes and turn around and when i turn back around and open them if your helmet's not on you're grounded mister <laughs> right like i you know you and i have talked about this before both like personally and Uh, on this podcast and while i don't think that the nfl rigs games it is really really hard to argue against that when you have crap like this happening like you can't convince me that that referee wasn't playing favoritism for the chiefs and i'm not saying that the vikings lost this game because of that call i mean i think that pass interference was in the end zone right it was it would have been first uh first and goal from the one yeah and so you know. In a one-score game, in a one-touchdown right. game, it would have been first and goal from the one. Right. So it's one of those, like, sure, maybe that one call doesn't decide the game outright, but it definitely puts the Vikings in a much better position for Kirk Cousins to then throw an interception in the end zone instead of him having to do it from that further out. Um, but all jokes aside, like, I just... Referees need to be held accountable because at some point we have to be consistent with how we're calling these things. You know, it's like you and I talked about in the Bengals-Rams Super Bowl we don't disagree that T Higgins pushing off should have been offensive pass interference, but they hadn't called the game like that all game. They were letting them play it out, letting them be physical. And then in the last two minutes, they threw like five flags for the Rams. It's just like, like at some point there you had has to, bring that to be, up, didn't you? yeah, I'm sorry, bud. At some <laughs> point there has to be consistency. And if not, it really does give some legitimacy to the whole, Oh, the NFL's rigged. They want certain teams to win. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely doesn't look good for the NFL, for the uh, NFL there. No, not at all. Um, especially when they've already been questioned a little bit with the whole uh, the Chiefs are two and zero since they became Swifties post and all that jazz. Um, takeaways from the Vikings, I, I don't know. As far as their play, I don't know what more to say that hasn't already been said. Their defense is awful. They couldn't have stopped me out there. Um, Kirk Cousins is doing literally everything he can to a fault to make sure this team doesn't lose, and they are still losing. Um, and then 
this isn't a hot take either, but Justin Jefferson being out for four weeks, I think we can go ahead and eliminate the Vikings from playoff contention. Um, I, I just don't see a world in which they make the playoffs without Justin Jefferson for four weeks. They're one and four. They're going to need him in this stretch to even have a shot. I wouldn't be surprised if they go 0-4 in this stretch. Yeah. Um, did you have any other thoughts or takeaways from this game? Uh, not really. Uh, I'm going to touch on the, the Vikings a little bit more uh, in the power rankings. Gotcha. Okay. Well, then let's move on to a few potential trades here. Um, I had a couple ideas, and some of them are more serious, like real good ideas. Some of them are maybe me having some wishful thinking. Um, I don't really have a creative name for this segment, so I'm just going to call it Potential Trades until I think of something better. (laughs) Um, But while we're on the subject of the Vikings, I kind of agree with the consensus that it may be time for, especially with Justin Jefferson being out for a little bit, it might be time for the Vikings to start shopping around for quarterbacks. At this point, um, Kirk Cousins is good enough. I think that he could go to a team that needs more of a veteran presence and lead them to at least some relevancy. And one destination I think he would be good for that is Atlanta. Um, So I think you send Kirk Cousins to Atlanta for Desmond Ritter and some compensation. Atlanta just feels like they're ready to move on from Desmond Ritter already. Um, I know he's played okay, but I just... He also still has not lost a home game. (laughs) He he hasn't, but... do you also get that vibe, or am I reading into that too much? Like, I don't know. It just feels like he's not the guy there. I don't know. I feel like weeks that we question, is he the guy, is he not the guy, he comes out and, and you know, gives the Falcons, t- t- takes the Falcons down the field and gives them a chance to win the game, and they did. Yeah, that's you know, true. So, so it's tough. It's like, <laughs> you know, we sit there and question it. Is he the guy, is he not? And then he goes out and kind of silences that for a week, but... You know, he has to be able to perform on the road, which yeah, he hasn't he done that this year. at all. And, you know, one thing I will say with Kirk Cousins, you're pretty much getting the same quarterback week in and week out. Like, you know what you're getting with Kirk Cousins. Yeah, he's consistent. He's a, he's a veteran guy. Exactly. Um, and so Atlanta, you know, they move on from Desmond Ritter. They get that veteran that can get that. Because I feel like Atlanta thinks of themselves as like a wild card team. I genuinely think that. I think that they think that they are competing for that division, which they are, let's be honest. That division is not great, although the Saints seem like they might be trying to lock it down, but so do the Bucks. Um, so yeah, Kirk Cousins gives them that veteran presence, um, someone who can truly get the ball where it needs to go to get them, keep them in contention with every game. I mean, I would argue Atlanta's defense is better than Minnesota's, and look, I mean, Kirk Cousins has been within a score of every game they've lost this year, right? Yep. Yeah. So I think he gives them a good presence. And then Desmond Ritter gets a fresh start in Minnesota. They're looking to rebuild. They can get him some pieces with some draft capital, stuff like that. Um, I think you feel good there. My (laughs) wishful thinking trade, and this is the one I was telling you about before the the show, is uh, Justin Jefferson to the Tennessee Titans for the number 12 overall pick uh, and some other draft capital. So the Vikings currently have the number four pick right now, which they would likely use on a quarterback unless they trade up or down or whatever. Um, They could use that number 12 to draft another offensive piece or maybe a corner or a safety or a defensive piece. I mean, they need to rebuild at this point. I don't, I don't, maybe they think that they're not ready to rebuild, but their defense is awful. Their offense outside of Justin Jefferson is 
not great. Um, you know, and I think I think their time with Kirk Cousins, and this isn't an indictment on him, but I think that their time with him has just run its course, and I don't see Justin Jefferson re-signing with Minnesota. They haven't gotten a deal done yet, and I just I don't see him doing it. Especially in this current state of the Vikings. Exactly. Justin Jefferson wants to win. And so I think going to Tennessee and being paired alongside DeAndre Hopkins, um, you've got a young wide receiver in Justin Jefferson, you've got an older D-Hop, and you immediately are competing in the AFC. Like, you have those two weapons. Even I mean, even if you don't have Tannehill next year, you see what you have with Malik Willis or Will Levis, and, I mean, you answer a lot of questions very quickly with them as well. Um, and there's even the option to say one of those two guys needs an extra year, you re-sign Tannehill for a year. We've seen what Tannehill can be with good weapons, um, and I think he at least gives you another year of consistency there. So I think it's a good trade for both sides. It's not going to happen because the Titans aren't going to trade for two receivers in a row. They don't want good things to happen. So, But, it, I mean, it could work out for both sides. And then my last trade uh, was T. Higgins to the Patriots, or T. Higgins in a 2024 second-round pick to the Patriots for the number five overall pick. Um, the Patriots get a wide receiver to help keep their quarterback room, or to help their quarterback room have a weapon. Um, you know, I know that there's a lot of question marks around Mac Jones, but I think that if nothing else, the Patriots could go sign one of these bridge guys like Jameis or somebody else, and then having a weapon like T. Higgins, and then you've still got Juju and you've got other pieces. Like, I feel like that turns that offense into at least something decent. The Patriots are not in the position to contend in the next year or two anyway. Um, but having a piece like T. Higgins could definitely help them. Um, and then the Bengals, obviously, if you get you get the number five pick and then you've still got number 14, uh, which, they, I mean, they might end up having to include the 14 in that trade if that were to actually happen. But let's just say for kicks and giggles that the way I proclaimed it, it that's how it goes. Um, they would draft Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, to replace T. Higgins, and then they could get a defensive uh pass defense or o-line piece at that 14 or vice versa your thoughts on, interesting interesting yeah, yeah your thoughts on any of those trades um i i think the jay jet is one um is definitely wishful think wishful thinking um hence why i uh hence why i prefaced it with that like i understand yeah <laughs> yeah doesn't mean it doesn't um, mean it couldn't work like but yeah no i agree <laughs> I think I think the T Higgins one to New England is is uh interesting. Yeah. Um it it provides a an explosiveness that the offense doesn't really have. Exactly. And you know, gives the the Bengals an opportunity to kind of draft his replacement. I I also think it's wishful thinking that Marvin Harrison Jr is going to drop to 5. Um especially considering that the Cardinals and or the Bears could potentially have, you know, four. Could, the the Cardinals and the Bears could own four of the top five picks, yeah. depending on how it falls. Um, and, you know, one of those teams is going to pick up Marvin Harrison Jr. So, you know, I, I'd be shocked if he fell to five, but um, well, and I at, mean, at the very least, you know, you can spend it on, um, you know, some sort of linebacker or mm-hmm. – um, you know, you still got a good. Uh, you still got a lot of selection there as far as what you could get. I mean, you could even get. You know, I don't know if Brock Bowers is. Um, I think that would be a great draft. Yeah, like I mean, there are plenty of options there that you could pick, and 
like I said, that like you said, that one's probably wishful thinking as well. But the, like, all the trades that I proposed, even if they were wishful thinking, I tried to include logic and stuff that would still make it make sense for both sides. Just like, you know, sure, it probably isn't going to happen, but I also just didn't want it to be like the Titans are going to get Justin Jefferson for Nick Westbrook Akine, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. So like, I, I wanted to make it at least realistic, if nothing else. But I, I yeah. I, I liked I liked that one. I thought that was interesting, and I thought you would find it interesting as well. So, cool. Um, any any other thoughts on those or? Nope. Perfect. Now let's move on to a more lighthearted subject. Um, we've got a new segment unveiling right now called Hit or Miss, and this segment is entirely just us judging and laughing at our previous takes so uh here's what i'll do i'll give mine first and then i'll let justin give his and then we'll call out a few guest takes as well so the way it's going to work is i'll give uh three of each of where i was right where i was wrong and then the other one can chime in call the other one stupid however we want to go about it um this is just our time to kind of have some fun look back on it and be like, ah, oh, that was dumb, you know, kind of kind of have some fun with it. So let's get into it. Uh, where I was right, um, I called it an overreaction, um, and I still stand by that, that the Jaguars will not miss the playoffs. Um, I just think that, you know, the AFC South is up for grabs and the Jaguars are showing that they're kind of starting to turn it around when they need to. Uh, they had a good win against the Bills this week. Um, where I was wrong... <laughs> the Chicago Bears are not the worst ever team. <laughs> uh, that is the only good thing that I can say about them, unfortunately, right now. But as soon as I question if Justin Fields was the guy or if he was even an NFL caliber quarterback, he goes and just decides he's going to play like prime uh, Joe Montana for no reason. Um, and I dropped DJ Moore in fantasy because he had done nothing, and then he had 52 points. Um, my second where I was right is that the Lions will be the best team in the NFC North. I stand by that. Um, I think that they are currently uh, in a class of their own in that division, which is not really saying all that much, but it's very clear they're the best team in that division by a mile. The second where I was wrong is that the Dolphins were the number one team in the league. Um, I do still stand by that I think that they could very easily represent the AFC in the Super Bowl, but I also don't think that they are the true number one team. Um, the, I think the, the 49ers, uh, have more than proven that that should be them. I can admit I was wrong there. The last where I was right is that the Bengals will rebound from their just atrocious start. Um, you know, I said that in some consolation to Justin, but I did believe that I trusted in their pieces. I trusted in Joe Burrow. Here they are sitting at, uh, two and three looking pretty solid. The last where I was wrong is that the Cowboys are Super Bowl contenders. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's one of those where we we sometimes fall victim to on-paper stats and everything. And on paper, the Cowboys should be a really good team. But a uh, friend of the show, Justin Downs, likes to remind me that Dak Prescott is still their quarterback I will have more to say on this later, but I don't believe in their current state that the Dallas Cowboys will 
have a chance to be the, in the Super Bowl because I just think that they are a second-tier team behind the Eagles and the 49ers. So that's my hit or miss. Justin, why don't you uh, get into yours? All right. So uh, my first take that I think I hit on is that the 49ers are the clear number one team. Um, I mean, I, the, I, I've, I've touched on it. I don't see a hole in that team. Nope, and kudos, kudos um, to you. You called that way before I did. <laughs> uh, my first where I was wrong is that the Dolphins are the greatest offense ever. <laughs> um, while I don't think I was, like, <laughs> egregiously wrong with that take, I mean, <laughs> if you're comparing them to the, the greatest show on turf, yeah, they've actually they actually have more yards than the greatest show on turf did through the first five games. No, no, no. Um, I mean, I mean, yeah, I, I laugh because it's just like, it, it sounds so out of pocket now that we're a few weeks removed from it. But no, I mean, it's not a horrible, horrible take. It's just incorrect, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, my second where I was right is that I think the Bills are the best team in the AFC. Um, I stand by this. Uh, we've touched on it. I think the Chiefs look human. They look beatable. Um, I know the Bills have a worse record. But um, I mean, you could easily you know, blame the, you could blame the travel to London for that loss this week, though. Exactly. Like, they they waited until Friday to travel, which is on them. Um, but also, yeah. Um, and, and then not only that, but had to face a team that it didn't have to travel because they were there for two straight weeks. So, um, you know, uh, I I think I, I'm not going to call their loss to the Jags a fluke, but you can see why um why they lost. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um. My second where I was wrong was that the the Buccaneers have no chance with Baker Mayfield. Um, I think he has more than enough proven that uh, that he's he's their guy right now. Um, I don't know if he's going to be their guy moving forward, but at least for the rest of the season, you know, he's he's done more than enough to prove that he deserves um, the starting spot right now. Yeah, he's a, he's a serviceable bridge. Yeah. Um, and my third where I was right was that CJ Stroud will win rookie of the year. Um, I, I think right now it's a, it's a two man race between him and Puka, but you know, I, I think if CJ Stroud finishes the season, which he is on pace for, uh, over 5,000 yards and, you know, however many touchdowns and he still has not thrown an interception. Um, I, I think with all of that, it's hard to not give it to him. Yeah. Um, and then my final where I was wrong was that Jordan Love is legit and the Packers found their QB. Um, Cover your ears, I think, Packers fans. <laughs> I think last night's debacle is the only way I can put that. Um, proved to everybody that Jordan Love just, he's not to say that he's not the guy, but he's just not there yet. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's not that he can't turn it around. It's just that, like you said, he has a lot that he still needs to learn. <laughs> exactly. All right, and then All right. we welcomed him on as a guest last week, so naturally we got we to gotta poke, poke some fun. Uh, Rob, last week, where he was right, he said that Puka Nakua is a legit contender for offensive rookie of the year. I that no disagreements. Um, you know, I personally would pick CJ, but I 
would not at all be shocked if he wins it. And then where he was wrong, and man, he said this with his whole chest out, and uh, did not hold back. Pro- on this one. <laughs> props to him for that, but oof, is that the Dallas Cowboys will make and win the Super Bowl this year? <laughs> Zoink, Scoob. Uh, which I can't say anything. You know, like like I said, that was literally in my where I was wrong as well. Justin definitely called this, even though he did agree with me in the beginning that the Cowboys were good on paper and that this, if the any year was going to be their year, it should be this one. Obviously, the football season actually started, and we were like, oh, right, it's the Cowboys. So here we are. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that has been hit or miss. Um, we probably won't do this every week, but we may revisit this around like week 10 and then maybe like week 15, just do it kind of every five weeks, kind of look over our previous takes and see how they aged stuff like that so i hope you guys enjoyed it and now let's move on to why most of you came here and that is to taverners tears the week five nfl power rankings ladies and gentlemen boys and girls it's the moment you've been waiting for it's the reason you listen to the show all right let's get into it (laughs) (laughs) all right uh coming to number 32 i have the carolina panthers uh in 31 i have the denver broncos Number 30, I have the New York Giants. 29, I have the Arizona Cardinals. 28, I have the Washington Commanders. 27, I have the New England Patriots. And 26, I have the Chicago Bears. Um, A team I want to highlight because we haven't talked about them at all today. Um, I'm going to just roast the Giants real quick. The Giants are on pace to be the worst team in NFL history. They currently sit through week five with a negative 91 point differential, which would put them on pace to be outscored and have a negative 304 point differential. (laughs) The current NFL record is negative 278. That was set in 1976 (laughs) by the 0-14 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, no. (laughs) This team, I don't even know if Trainwreck is doing it justice. I mean, let's be honest. They are an absolute collapse from the Cardinals away from being 0-5. Well, and let's let's be real here, too. They are... Like, I know you have them ranked above the Broncos. I, I don't I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what more the Giants have to show you to make the Broncos look like a Super Bowl contender, bro. I mean Yeah. Daniel Jones has been um, Daniel Jones has been sacked more times than a supercomputer could calculate. Like <laughs> Anyway. Daniel Jones has has about two seconds to throw the ball because their offensive line is garbage. And what I don't understand is that you go out and you get these quote-unquote weapons like Darren Waller, and you draft Jalen Hyatt, and then you don't even use them. How's he supposed to use them when he can't even see? He can't stay alive long enough <laughs> yeah, to hit him. You can barely see him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just plain and simple, this team is just an outright embarrassment. Um, so there's my roast of the Giants. Um, 32 through 26 right there. Moving on. Uh, Coming to number 25, I have the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, In 24, I have the Houston Texans. 23, I have the Green Bay Packers. 
22, I have the Las Vegas Raiders. And 21, I have the New York Jets. Um, team from this section is the Vikings. Uh, this team is in deep, deep trouble. Uh, we touched on this. They're going to be without Justin Jefferson for at least four more weeks uh, oh. because he just got put on the IR. And their next four weeks include the Bears, the Niners, the Packers, and the Falcons. And none of those so, are guaranteed wins. <laughs> no, they are not. The Bears certainly look better. The 49ers are the best team in the league. The Packers could be a win. Could be. And the Falcons could be a win as well. But, you know, it's a team you never know what you're going to get with them. So they could be 2-7, and seven, maybe 1-8 and eight when he returns. Uh-huh. Sorry to interrupt you real quick, but that you reading off their next four games really sounded like that meme of the AFC North that we share where it's like the Bears look great after the last two weeks. Um, the Packers. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they, they, they could be in, in trouble. Uh, my opinion is that they need to trade some pieces away while they still have value. And honestly, I would rest Justin Jefferson for the rest of the year, and I would tank for Caleb Williams and Drake or uh, Drake May, whoever you get. Ayo Vikings, uh, may, maybe a hot take. Ayo Vikings, hit me up for a good trade destination for uh, Justin Jefferson. I, I, I know the perfect <laughs> spot. He knows a guy who says no. Uh, who's going to tell? <laughs> anyway, moving on. Top twenty, uh, number twenty. I have the Atlanta Falcons. 19, I have the Los Angeles Rams. 18, I have the Tennessee Titans. 17, I have the Indianapolis Colts. And 16, I have the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, Team from this section is the Rams. I don't understand why this team is struggling. (laughs) Like, their wide receivers, they just got Cooper cut back, and on top of Puka and Tutu Atwell. Like, they have really great wide receivers. Their defense has honestly been pretty solid. I mean, they held the Eagles to, what was it, 23 points? Yeah. Um, they, But they needed overtime to beat the Colts to even be where they are right now. So, I, I don't know. They, they've played both of the NFC contending teams, the Eagles and the Niners, pretty close. But it just seems like they can't finish these drives and, and close it when they need a score. Well... I don't, I don't know what it is about this team. It's it's weird. It's like they have all this talent. They just can't win games. So you know how the Bengals are the second-half uh, second team? Yeah. So if you take the Bengals and you take the Rams and you combine them, you have a complete game. Oh, yeah. The Rams are a first-half team. They go to halftime, and it's like they went home, man. This <laughs> They got they got Stathew Mafford out there. Like, it's, it's rough. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, the Rams definitely are shakier than they should be. Um, the other team I want to spotlight from your section real quick is just the Colts. Um, you know, I said it last week with the Texans as an AFC South. Uh, as an AFC South fan, I don't – or AFC South fan. As a Titans fan, we're in the AFC South. I don't like to admit whenever other teams are better than mine, but I – you know, <laughs> you can't argue against the head-to-head and – Kudos to Shane Steichen for a great game plan. You stifled Derrick Henry. You forced Tannehill to go out and beat you. And, I mean, credit to Tannehill. He he tried his hardest, but you, uh, you know, you ran us over and have us thinking about our defense and everything. So, shout out to the Colts. Um, hope Anthony Richardson heals up well. And I think that team has a bright future ahead. Yeah. 
All right, uh, coming to number 15, I have the Cleveland Browns. Uh, 14, the Pittsburgh Steelers. 13, the New Orleans Saints. 12, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And number 11, the Dallas Cowboys. As we all predicted. Um, yeah. For me, the Steelers are the team I want to look at because, like I said with the Rams, this team doesn't make any sense. No. <laughs> like, opposite of the Rams, they're 3-2, and two, yet they have a minus 31 point differential. Their <laughs> offense through most of the season has looked inept. I mean, I don't know, I don't know how else to put it. Like... They got that JV and, offense out there. <laughs> yeah, but somehow this team just finds, you know, weird, interesting ways to win football games. And this game against the Ravens was, it felt like just like a classic Mike Tomlin win. It was ugly, but it got the job done, you know? Well, hey, bro, didn't you know that, um, didn't you know that the T and TJ Watt stands for Thanos? He, he right. straight up went out there and was just like, fine, I'll do it myself. Like, well, clearly their offense wasn't going to do it. They may right. as well put T.J. Watt on <laughs> as their fullback. Well, I love the clip of uh, people talking about T.J. Watt being a dirty player because he he punched, was it Zay Flowers in the face? Yeah. The only reason he punched he Zay Flowers in the face is because Zay Flowers couldn't hold on to the ball. Like, Lamar hit him yeah. in the hands, and he just didn't hold on to the ball. So T.J. Watt punched where the ball should have been, but instead it was just Zay Flowers' mug. Um, yeah, you know, I definitely think, like you said, it was a very Mike Tomlin-esque win. I think that they, they got the Ravens out of their comfort zone and Lamar just, you know, I know his receivers are younger or hurt or haven't been there very long, but I, they've yet to find that passing game connection. Um, yeah, anyway. All right, uh, top ten. Real quick, real quick, sorry, uh, real quick. Before you, yep. I, I, I love that you told me before the last podcast that if the Cowboys went out and lost embarrassingly to the 49ers, you'd find a way to bounce them out of the top ten. Here we are. And I did. Here we are. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> um, all right, coming to number ten, I have the Baltimore Ravens. Um, you know, if I'm, if I'm the Ravens, maybe you start to panic here. <laughs> You know, yeah, you can call the loss to Gardner Minshew fluky all you want. This one, this one's on them. Yeah, you got man. And more, and more specifically, this one's on Lamar Jackson. He threw a pick in the end zone while you're up ten to eight, which is gross. <laughs> and then on the very next possession, they fumble, and both of those turnovers led to nine points for the Steelers. So. Uh, that that's not that's not great no. you know uh and i'm not going to discount the steelers have a good defense but you know if you want to be heralded as as one of the best teams in the afc those to me are are games that, that the ravens have to win oh yeah absolutely um so they better hope they get it right because it doesn't get much easier because they have to travel to london to play a good defensive coach who they always seem to struggle against sound familiar I mean, you know, you say that, but at the same time, uh, apparently we're just going to let um, Gus Edwards run for 500 yards because that's what we do. Yeah, he might. That's what we do with backup running backs, apparently. Um, now, like like I was saying a minute ago, real quick thought on the Ravens. Um, you know, definitely got them out of their comfort zone. Ugly loss for them. Um, 
The Titans are going to kind of be more of the same. Supposedly, we have a good run defense. I couldn't tell Sunday, but supposedly we have a good one. Um, this Titans team also has a bone to pick with Lamar. Um, as you know, these two teams always play each other hard, and there's a bit of bad blood between the two of them. Um, you know, the travel to London, I could see that kind of throwing both offenses off, so it really is going to be probably more of a defensive struggle, and I think the Titans have the better defense. So, And I stand by my hot take from a few weeks ago. I think the Ravens are an injury away. Yeah. All right, uh, coming in at number nine, the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, I think the Chargers' panic has kind of subsided. Um, you know, they got their two wins. They got to the bye. But the thing that's kind of scary about this is now they have to go play the last 13 games all in a row with no break. Yeah, that's rough. It's not going to be an easy thing, especially when you're going to be facing a pretty upset Dallas team that just got embarrassed in front of 26 million people on national television. But this could be a revenge game for Kellen Moore against his former team. So uh, Los Angeles Chargers at 9. Well, we all know that Brandon Staley just blew a lead to the bye week, so um, True. realistically, I mean, I don't know how much of a restful period this was, but all jokes aside, <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think Kellen Moore revenge game, that's going to be my prediction for that one. Um, I think it's going to be relatively high scoring for both sides, because, um, I mean, let's be honest, the Chargers defense couldn't stop a parked car. Um, yeah, I don't... I don't really have, I mean, obviously they had a bye week, so there's not much new to say about them that wasn't said in the previous weeks, so I'll just leave it at that. All right, coming to number eight, I have the London Jaguars, I mean the Jacksonville Jaguars. It just feels like they play over in London so often that they may as well just relocate. Um, regardless, yeah, they, they play there just all the time, it feels like. Um Regardless, going over there and, remember, and snagging. Remember, I mean, we did fight a war against the British. We're not going to send them our best teams. There's still a little bit of bad yeah, blood there. Yeah, We're going to send them some... I mean, they're going to get a little bit of a show, but... Yeah. Um, regardless of all of that, uh, going over there and snagging two straight wins to get them to 3-2 and two was massive for this team. You know, Trevor Lawrence and this offense looked uh, as calm and as poised as they have been. Um and it seems like they're starting to get things on the right track. But all of their remaining games are, you know, back in the United States where they haven't looked all that impressive. So, uh, you know, this week they, they get a hungry Colts team. Um, you know, I think that'll be a close game. But uh, Jacksonville Jaguars at eight. I will say I would have liked the Colts a lot more in that matchup if they had Anthony Richardson. Um I don't know. Gardner Minshew's looked pretty dang good this year. Which, again, kudos to Shane Steichen. Um, I think that's definitely more on his game plan. And not that Gardner Minshew is bad by any means, but, I mean, there's a reason he's a backup. Um, yeah. <clears throat> on paper, I like Jacksonville, but it's the AFC South we're talking about, and every one of them teams play each other close. Um, yeah, I think the Jaguars are starting to answer some of the early season questions that they had, and I think they're kind of starting to turn into a good team. Um, be good to see them hit stride and see what they can do moving forward. Yeah. All right. Uh, number seven, I have the Seattle Seahawks. Um, I think the positive for this team is that they don't have to face the Niners until like, or uh, I think it's week 12 and week 14. So, you know, that they have plenty of time to rack up wins and, you know, 
make sure that they're they're focused for those those two games. Imagine you know getting your teeth kicked in by the 49ers and then realizing and the locker room after the game I have to go do that again in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, they're, they're coming off a bye after, you know, they just had a field day with Daniel Jones sacking him 11 times. Um, I, I think the thing that's most impressive about this team is their run defense is insane. They are allowing a league best only 3.2 yards per carry. Um, I will say their secondary scares me a little bit because they're giving up almost 300 yards passing a game, but they are young and they should continue to only get better. So, um, Seattle Seahawks at seven. So what are we calling their defense now? Is it Legion of Zoom? Is that what it is? The new... I like that. Yeah. They're young. Yeah, exactly. Like Zoomers. Um... No, I mean, I agree with everything you said. I think Seattle's definitely, I mean, I called them my deadliest first-round exit for a reason. Um, I think they're definitely a scary matchup for a team that's not prepared. Um, and they're one of those teams, kind of like Arizona with Dallas, like they're, you, teams are going to run into them looking ahead. You know, if you're if you're Philly or you're Dallas or Detroit or, gosh, I don't even know in the NFC who else would be coming into that, but. Basically, anybody but the 49ers runs into the Seattle Seahawks in the first round, and they're looking ahead to the next round. I think that could very easily be a be a quick upset win for them. Um, Kenneth Walker, I I mean, he looks he looks legit, dude. He he's a good running back, and of course they've still got DK and they've got Tyler Lockett. Geno has proven that he's their guy at least for now, um, and I think he fits into the scheme maybe better than Russell Wilson did. Um, I don't know why I almost said Russell Westbrook. Um, yeah, I don't know, but no, I think I think they're a good team, and I don't I don't hate them being at seven. All right, uh, number six, I have the Detroit Lions. You know, the fact that this team dropped forty two on Carolina is cool, but the fact that they did it without Jameer Gibbs and Amon Ra is. Even more impressive. Absolutely. I mean, let's not sit here and act like Carolina is amazing, but 42 points is 42 points, yeah, I mean, you know, regardless of, of who you're playing. It's the NFL, um, you know, but but this is what good teams are supposed to do. They're, they're th- th- This is what they should do. They should win games that they're supposed to win, and, and that's what they did. And, you know, dating back to last year, they've won 12 of their last 15, and, you know, I think Dan Dan Campbell uh, definitely deserves votes for Coach of the Year. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, no, I think definitely the Lions. They just they're building off of last year. Their offense looks better. Their defense looks better. Jared Goff. I think he's proven the haters wrong. Um, I love that clip of him challenging Ryan Fitzpatrick on the air. I think that's really funny. They look good. The future's bright. Happy for Detroit because. My goodness, man. <laughs> they need it. They need it. <laughs> All right. Uh, number five, I have the Miami Dolphins. Um, <laughs> this game is honestly exactly what the Dolphins needed. It's an easy win against an awful Giants team. Uh, Tyreek Hill is <laughs> well, now the league's well, leading. Res- the Giants were at that game? <laughs> Barely. <laughs> Um, Tyreek Hill is now the league's leading receiver and is on pace to break the NFL record by almost 250 yards. Um, 
you know, they just lost Devin Achan, uh, which is going to hurt them considering uh, this crazy stat that he has 50 less rushing yards than Christian McCaffrey on 61 less carries. <laughs> he has carried the ball 61 less times than Christian McCaffrey and only has 50 less yards than him. Well, for what it's worth, I feel like every other carry is like a 70-yard touchdown run from him. That's that's what it feels like. Um, but yeah, Miami Dolphins have five. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've touched a lot on the Dolphins um, even earlier in this podcast. I definitely think that they're still very much alive as a contender. Um, you know, they're still going strong. Um, yeah, not much else to say. They're good. Five, top five, exactly where I would think they would be. All right, uh, coming in at number four, I have the Buffalo Bills. Um, you know, I, I touched on this earlier. I don't want to penalize the Bills too much here. You know, going to London is never easy, but then you're playing a team who didn't have to travel there because they stayed there. Yeah. Um, you know, it doesn't help either. Uh, regardless, it felt like this offense just couldn't get it going until the fourth quarter when it was it, it was too little too late at that point. Um, they also lost their linebacker Matt Milano and Tredavious White in back-to-back weeks so you know the health of this defense definitely scares me but uh, to me I still think they're the best team in the AFC you know I know my rankings don't uh my rankings don't necessarily mirror that but uh that's still just my opinion so uh Buffalo at four yeah um you know, my opinion of them as a Super Bowl contender is definitely taking a little bit of a dip with their defensive injuries. Um, I think that's what scares me the most because once you start losing pieces on defense, you stop being able to hold teams to lower scores and that starts getting us closer to these Josh Allen shootout games. And as we have previously discussed, I think that once Josh Allen has to be Superman, he can do that, but he also runs into trouble sometimes. So... Buffalo is really good. Um, I agree with you at the moment that they're the number one team in the AFC, but they're kind of not quite in as dire straits as the Ravens, but I also feel like they're one maybe key injury or one off game from uh, going from a contender to a a one and done real quick. So, um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Coming to number three, I have the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, You know, we talked about this earlier again. But I hate that I'm saying this two weeks in a row, but man, the officiating when it comes to the Chiefs is awful. They had the the two awful missed calls um, uh, against the Jets, and then you got Legarius Sneed ripping his helmet off um, after uh, a pass interference call that was picked up, and, and you know none of it was called. But I, I don't know. Uh, I mean. I've been saying it all year, you know, the Chiefs are still the Chiefs, you know, uh, until somebody, I don't know, they, they look beatable, but... Can anybody actually to, do it? <laughs> I was say, to, to, to this moment, the only team that's done it is the Lions, and it was by one point, so, and you know, they, they, they haven't looked amazing, but they're still winning games. And, so, and, I mean, I don't believe in asterisks, but, you know, like you said, we can't overlook the fact that the Lions beat them, but they also didn't have Chris Jones or... Um, Travis Kelsey. I was going to say Taylor Swift's boyfriend, so yeah. Same thing. Yeah. 
Uh, but yeah, Kansas City at three. Um, number two, I have the Philadelphia Eagles. This to me felt like a more complete game um, from them. You know, I think AJ Brown is quietly becoming one of the best wide receivers in Eagles history. Oh yeah, I saw a stat comparing him to Terrell Owens, and I mean they were through through the first like twenty games of their Philadelphia career, they were eerily similar. Um, you know, Jalen Hurts and their little tush push brotherly shove whatever you want to call it is pretty much uh, it's unbeatable I don't, I don't know how you stop it um I, I thought their defense played probably their best game of the year so far they held Stafford to a season low 222 yards and also getting to him four times um but you know I, I think from now until November they they don't really see anybody tough but I think come November, we're really going to see their true colors because they have a four-game stretch of the Cowboys, the Chiefs, the Bills, and the 49ers. So, I mean, that if you want to talk about a gauntlet, that is as tough as they come. That's one of those so, that's one of those where they should be competitive in all four games, but they could go anywhere from 4-0 to 0-4 in those that stretch, and I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest. Yeah. So I think we will truly find out who this team is come that four game stretch i agree um and once again coming in for the fifth week in a row shocking literally nobody i say this every week it is the same <laughs> who's gonna tell him it's the san francisco 49ers and i don't really have anything to say about them because what more needs to be said about this team that i haven't already said about them so uh there it is power rankings all right uh give us your risers and fallers and then i will Make any last comments I have. My biggest riser this week, rising up from 32 to 26th, is the Chicago Bears. Uh, moving up six spots. And similarly, falling six spots from 12th to 18th would be the Tennessee Titans. Woo! All right, so there you go. Um, the only thing I will add is that... Um, I, I honestly, this is one of the first rankings that you have put out that I genuinely don't have any, like, you know, I would maybe put something here, but I, you know, I see why you did that. Like, I've had one of those with everyone you put out except for this one. Um, I don't think there's really any picks of yours that I disagree with. Um, cool. Uh, looking back, I will say the one thing that I, now that I've, I'm looking at this, um, I would probably bump the Patriots under the Commanders, yeah, um, and just just flip them twenty seven twenty eight. But I mean, at that point, you're, you know, uh, so uh, yeah. to be honest, the, the, that's the that's the one thing I would I, I would maybe move the Patriots honestly below the. That's Cardinals. what I was about to say. I was like, honestly, <laughs> you, you should probably have like the Commanders and the Cardinals over them. That would be my one argument here. And then just twenty. If you put the Patriots at twenty nine, and you put the Commanders and Cardinals up one, then truly just twenty nine through thirty two, you could replace with Georgia, uh, Ohio State, Michigan, and Texas. And I wouldn't argue it. Uh, Texas lost. Did oh yeah, that's right. Who who's third? Uh, Ohio State. Who's fourth? Um, somebody. That's a great question. Anybody. Anyway, uh, replace the bottom four with the top four in the college football uh, rankings and. I wouldn't hate it. Um, yeah, no, I will say the Bears. Shout out to the Bears because, truth be told, two weeks ago, um, 
if if you would have told me the Bears would have been anywhere higher than thirty two, I'd have laughed in your face. The Bears, I don't know. And yet here they are. I don't know what it is. It's like they flipped a switch, but um, maybe they decided they don't want Caleb Williams after all. I don't know, but um, yeah. And then the Titans falling six. I, yeah, I mean, that's fair. <laughs> can't argue that one yeah I, I hated to put them behind the Bengals because they beat the Bengals but I also don't think the Colts are as good as the Bengals are yeah so no, I mean pretty much for me I feel like week in and week out uh it, it feels like that like 13 to 19 I mean it's you could switch those up you could you could put them in pretty much any order and, you know, you could make an argument for it. So yeah, I, I think that's like, like I said, that 13 to 19 area is probably the toughest spot for me just because like I said, it, it feels like a coin flip. Um, if any of those teams played each other. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, yeah, I don't hate it. All right. Moving on to our final segment. We've got our hot takes slash overreactions from this week. Uh, we're going to change it up, Justin. I will let you give your first hot take overreaction first. All right. Uh, overreaction from week five. Number one, I have that Bill Belichick will not be the head coach of the Patriots next year. Um, whether that means that he is done coaching or he finds a different organization or he even moves up uh, into you know a front office role. Uh in one way, shape, or form, he will not be the head coach of the Patriots next year. So, Before I give my first uh, hot take slash overreaction, I need to publicly apologize for ever, ever giving the impression that I believed that Bill Belichick was more to credit for the Patriots' success over Tom Brady because I think it is absolutely evident that that is 1,000% because of Tom Brady that they did so well, and I would argue that Tom Brady has done it in spite of Bill Belichick's shortcomings. My first overreaction slash hot take, and I don't feel like this is an overreaction, is that Bill Belichick has been incredibly overreated, over, overreated, overrated as a coach, leader, and talent scout. Uh, Bill Belichick last year drafted two kickers. They have zero offensive weapons, and he drafted two kickers. Hey, Juju's their savior. Hey, hey, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> he made a defensive coordinator his offensive coordinator, and people wonder why Mac Jones has regressed. Like, don't get me wrong. Mac Jones, I don't believe, is a great quarterback. But how in the world are we supposed to judge what he is when that is what he has been given? I think, and you want to you want to hear something even funnier? Yeah, is that they replaced that their offensive coordinator that was a defensive coordinator from last year with an actual offensive coordinator, and I think Mac Jones looks looks worse. He does. <laughs> like I don't know how it's possible, but it's happening. I mean, granted, he's throwing to you, me, and Rob out there, but still, like I just look. I can't take away what Bill accomplished. I can't. You know, he did, he won those Super Bowls with the Patriots, but I think it's becoming very evident that he won those Super Bowls because he had Tom Brady as his quarterback, and Tom Brady was that great that he could elevate the people around him. Because if you take his, outside of the 20 years he had Tom Brady, and you look at the rest of his coaching career, we would never talk about Bill Belichick as a coach. 
No. I think it is an egregious failure by the Patriots to not have already moved on from him. I think that they have failed Mac Jones. I think that they failed their organization, their fans. I think that them putting him in a front office role fails their organization and fans because he's proven that he can't scout talent or draft or do anything like that either. I just, I, you know, I, I hate being so like worked up about this, but truly I feel like Bill Belichick is such a cocky, for lack of better term, douche. And he hasn't proven enough outside of having Tom Brady. He hasn't answered those questions outside of having Tom Brady to warrant that. You know, pro coaching, it's not like college where you can li- you can continue your career off of, hey, I won a national championship 20 years ago. You know, in the NFL, the game changes so fast. You have to evolve. You have to update your resume. Bill Belichick hasn't done that. You know, you've got these creative offensive coaches now like Mike McDaniels and, um, you know, um, Sean McVay, Sean McVay, Andy, Andy Reid, um, Kyle Shanahan was the name I was trying to think of, and I just could not put those words together in my brain for some reason. But, you know, you've got these amazing offensive minds that are creating these schemes, and they are running away with the league. And Bill Belichick has shown that his own pride is going to be his biggest downfall. And I'm sorry that that take took so long, but I just, I saved it for this for a reason. This is such a frustrating topic if you're a Patriots fan, because, like, yes, they're not great, but they still have some okay pieces. Like, they, they shouldn't be as bad as they are. Yeah. All right. Did you have a second uh, hot take slash? Uh, I did. Cool. I did. Uh, second overreaction is that <laughs> Zach Moss should see as many, if not more, touches than Jonathan Taylor. Hey, hey I said I know that. It's not... I said that. It was stupid <laughs> to pay Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, I know it's not going to happen because they just paid Jonathan Taylor all that money. But, uh, I mean, clearly Zach Moss has proven that he is – you know, he, he's, he's the guy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he should see as many, if not more, touches than Jonathan Taylor. Well, like I said, no, it's not going to happen, but... Well, I think beyond that, maybe it's not so... I mean, no, no disrespect to Zach Moss, first of all, but maybe it's not so much that Zach Moss is the guy as the scheme just... You don't have to have a Derrick Henry caliber running back to have success in that scheme. You know, I mean, they have a dual threat... Well, when he's healthy, they have a dual threat quarterback. They've got some good receiving weapons... Um, you know, and they just, they have a really good O-line. Like I, they, I mean, if nothing else, their O-line is great when it comes to run blocking and Zach Moss has benefited from that greatly. And, you know, Zach Moss is a stud and I just, that's why their decision to pay Jonathan Taylor after what they saw for the first four weeks just baffled me because I'm like, well, why? (laughs) Okay. Uh, on to my second overreaction slash hot take. (laughs) you were going to love this because this is such a 180 from a few weeks ago. The Dallas Cowboys should draft a quarterback this year slash next year, or Trey Lance should take over next season. And Mike McCarthy needs to be fired like the blubbering idiot he is. Oh my. So Dak has shown you who he is. Uh, time time and time again, I mean, he is not going to step up when he needs to. You know, I blamed it on coaching 
I blamed it on this and that. And then he got Kellen Moore. He looked good. And then they flamed out in the playoffs. And then this was, this honestly for me was that game where like, I knew what Dak was, but the way he talked and the way the whole team talked, I was like, okay, maybe they really are going to figure this out. Maybe Arizona was just like, they were looking ahead to San Francisco. And then he went out there and I mean, he made, he made Daniel Jones look like a good quarterback for a minute. (laughs) Like that was, that was just a colossal failure on Dak on that offense. I mean, you know, you've got C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb's a good receiver. You've got Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks a good receiver. You've got Tony Pollard, who's one of the better running backs in the in the league. Like I just, the Cowboys team has so many weapons, and I think at this point, it's very evident what their two weak pieces are. It's Dak and it's Mike McCarthy. I think you either trade Dak. He has a no trade clause, but maybe you find a spot where he would be. You know he would be okay moving to, and he could waive that. Or, um, you know you bench him, and I know that's an expensive player to bench, but what, like what what are you doing here? You say you're a contender, but Dak is not the guy. <laughs> um, and then Mike McCarthy, um, which granted, my faith in the Cowboys this year was. I say faith loosely. It's not that I necessarily thought they were going to win the Super Bowl, but I thought that this was going to be their best chance to do it if they were going to do it. Uh, But it's very clear to me now that the Cowboys are a mid-tier team. Like, not mid-tier, but like a second-tier team at best. Um, Mike McCarthy has zero situational awareness on the field. Uh, His clock management is awful. And he's clearly behind the times on play calling. I mean, there is nothing that Mike McCarthy does that I'm like, wow, he is a great head coach. Um, is there, is Jerry Jones actually going to fire him? No, because he'll do what Jerry Jones wants him to do, but he, he's lucky. I'm not the GM. Cause after that performance, Mike McCarthy had been gone. I'd have left him in San Francisco. Yeah, He'd, he'd be looking for a new job <laughs> that they played. They played in San Francisco, right? Yes. That was in San Francisco. Yeah. No, I'd have left him in San Francisco. Um, and then as far as Dak, I mean, I feel like they moved up to get that. They, they traded for Trey Lance for a reason. You know, I think probably the less rash thing to do is to let Dak play out this season. But you you give me another flame out in the playoffs like that again, and I think you start Trey Lance next year. Yeah, I, I think they're in an interesting position because, like you said, they traded for Trey Lance, and they they have this, um, you know, they have this guy, and it, it's tough because. You, you can't really see what you have with him, right? You know, because because you're the Cowboys, because you know odds are they're they're gonna make the playoffs, they're gonna be you know right in the thick of it, right there. Um, you know, probably if I had to guess, like the the six seed, um, maybe the five seed, just depends on how the NFC shakes out. But you know, they're they're gonna be making a playoff run, and you can't exactly give a backup quarterback. Um, a, a chance to see what he does uh, if that's the case. Unlike, you know, a, a different team, and I hate to do this, but like the Titans, where like if the wheels fall off with that team and they find themselves, you know, with a very small shot to make the playoffs, they have the the luxury at that point to be able to, you know, see what they have with Malik Willis and Will Levis. Whereas I don't think the Cowboys will have that luxury because odds are they'll be in the playoff hunt. Yeah. And 
you know, we can talk about the Titans later as far as like what they should or shouldn't do in that situation. But with the Cowboys, I just, like I said, I think the less rash decision is to let Dak play out the year, obviously. But I, I think Dak is, I think Dak is a great guy. You know, I think he's a phenomenal leader. He's a great locker room guy. All of those things. He's just very limited in what he can and can't do on the football field. And at this point, it's like, if you take away the head coach and you take away the quarterback and you look at just roster, you would have, I mean, you would put the Cowboys top three. Like you, you genuinely, you, you would, I mean, you would put the 49ers at one. You would put maybe the Dolphins at two. Or the Eagles. Or the Eagles. But, I mean, if you're looking at offense and defense, I mean, the Cowboys are top three. So, it's like at, one, at some point, like it's not like Dak is in his first couple years, oh, he's still got to figure it out. We know what he is. You know, and Justin Downs said this to me, and um, I, it's not that I didn't agree with him, but it's like, you know, on paper, the Cowboys should be great, and it's you want to believe, oh, okay, well, they've learned from last year. They're going to turn around. They ain't turning it around. I just... <laughs> Maybe they win the Super Bowl and prove me wrong, but that's my overreaction slash hot take is that Dak's time should be done after this year and Mike McCarthy needs to be fired. <laughs> All right. Well, on that happy note, I think that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's a fun one. We, uh, we had a lot of good topics today. This was a good, a yeah. good chunky episode with a lot of, a lot of uh, good material. Um, you know, I will I will leave it with this. Week five definitely gave us a lot of topics, and I'm excited to see what week six and beyond bring. Um, Justin, do you have any any final thoughts? Anything you want to leave the audience with? Um, no. Uh, other than tighten up and who day. Tighten up and who day, baby. Well, on behalf of Justin, I'm Ben. Make sure you check out the rundown on uh, any service where you get your podcasts. And until next time, guys, we hope you have a wonderful evening. Thank you all for listening.